Is anyone else struggling with what to wear these days, feeling like styles have changed so much? Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion. I signed up, I took a style quiz, and they offered suggestions that would best match me. The more I rent, the more on point the styles get. Whether you are planning a date night, packing for a conference, or headed to a black tie event, you will have the perfect outfit without facing a fitting room with fluorescent lights. With my Armoire clothing rental, I feel brave trying new styles because I know it's not forever. It's just for a week or a month. And my favorite thing, having someone else do my laundry when I'm ready for new clothes. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash hidden true crime. That's armoire.style slash A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash hidden true crime to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hidden, a true crime podcast. A forensic psychologist and a journalist explore the hidden motives behind unthinkable crimes while examining our deepest fears along the way. There's, I was talking to uh, a Netflix producer. He's got a story coming, uh, an episode coming out this Wednesday. I can't tell you what it's about. Might have to do with scouting. But uh, he was, he was the one that said, because he's heard me just complain about the side of the story that just, you know, uh, now I, I'm not in this this thing coming out, but I definitely work with it. But I, in the past, he did a documentary about me that was at Sundance, uh, uh, the church in the Fourth Estate, hmm. and and uh, Laura Poitras, the executive producer, she was uh, a lady that helped with Edward Snowden coming forward. Okay. And and uh, and his name is Brian Naffenberger. And anyway. I talked to Brian, and he's just like, you know, and the, you know, Adam said you were a whistleblower. You guys read the past. I came forward, and I worked on this, and I worked on getting rid of the laws. We we did it. We mean my family, but he said, you know, these people are just trying to destroy you as a whistleblower. And sometimes I think that the Mormon Church know who Jody Hildebrand was when I was set up to go start therapy with her. Cause like nowadays I think differently. Like I don't, I don't want to sound narcissistic. I don't want to sound egocentric like that. I matter and people don't. And when I say I, sometimes when I'm in trauma, I say I, and you don't give everybody the credit. Cause I'm just dealing with this shit that it is to be a victim's advocate. But um, the, the thing is, like, right after my dad and I and brother signed the statute of limitations 
into law. <laughs> that in Idaho, we changed in one sense, uh, one session, the criminal and civil statute limitations for child abuse. It was five years, and then you couldn't prosecute. And rape was 50 years. And child abuse was five years. So all the pedophiles that went there were safe after five years. And all the institutions that hit it, didn't. And there were no more cases after five years. So when I filed my lawsuit when I was 23 against scouting, and they immediately hit us with the statute of limitations saying, you can't do this. And and I can't remember, but I out of the blue when I filed, it was like one day before the statute was up. And, and I'm trying to remember the actual dates, but, we, but just to really find, we discovered this terrible statute that they were using. So my dad started talking in the press and he started telling, these people are trying to stop us from changing this. And he named them by name. And after the Scouts, Scout Honor Series came out that won the Scripps Award with Idaho Falls Post Register, uh, I mean, huge contention, huge thing, but He'd name those people by name and say, like, this guy's trying to stop this litigation. And, and nobody wanted it. It passed. We got the laws through. It's a huge fight. And there's no, no one's ever told that story about what my dad did to get those through. And, and one of the probably Idaho was probably what the second most powerful Mormon state in yeah, America. I'd agree with that. I mean, yeah. Probably a massive amount of child abuse going on that was covered up because when we discovered was that in uh, Brad's, you know, sometimes it's like a snowball. You see your case and then you see it's a bigger story and part of the bigger. So, so like Brad Stoll's case, the, the, the pedophile that I sent to prison that was sexually abusing all these kids and, and the, the scout people tried to tell me not to even tell my parents about when I complained about it and said they'd fix it and made me promise I wouldn't tell my parents and, Eventually, I called that week, I called the police and had them arrest him. And the police were awesome. They were like, let's arrest him in front of the flag so all the kids see it and we'll tackle him. And Jeez. they know this is wrong. And the police were right. But the, but the, what we learned about Brad was that he got caught before and that they sent him to a Mormon bishop to repent and that he was a sociopath, serial child abuser. So he just lied to a bishop and he was back at camp. Wow. And then we learned about this pedophile and that pedophile and that pedophile. And they were, they were all being sent to bishops. And then we learned that, holy cow, this is a broken system because the Mormon church was using the bishop penitence clause so that they didn't have to report the child abusers after they were sent to a bishop. So, so it's really different. Like it's different when someone comes to you and confesses. It's different when we catch a child abuser, a pedophile, and they get sent to a bishop, and the bishop gives the okay and sends them back to work at camp. And this happened systematically in the Mormon Church. In fact, it became such a good cover that the church broke ranks with how they normally call bishops in a secret operation that none of the members knew about. So behind the scene. And you have like thousands of bishops and, and they were then instructed, you know, before in the old days, it was scriptures where they pray to God. Now, now there's complications of modern world and there's child abuse allegations. And when bishops get that, they've been given this church handbook that started developing these real specific rules on what they needed to do. And it said, call this number and talk to these people. And the thing about it was. It's the people that were like, they were like attorneys on the telephone talking to the bishops on how to handle these cases. 
here's the crazy thing. The Mormon church totally broke ranks with their traditional call a bishop and a group of people, an honor call. That's what it was. They ordained the people on the telephone that would handle all of these child abuse cases as bishops so that they could classify everything under an umbrella of bishop penitents and not report anything. So, I mean, we're talking millions and millions of interviews, and this is the what the Mormon, Mormon church has done. And, and, and they're fighting tooth and nail behind the scene to keep this five-year statute of limitations for child abuse around with scouting. And so I know that society will wake up, society will learn how to fix itself, and they will hold these people accountable, and they will change these people, even if these people win some legal law here and there. It will change because this problem will not go away. So I know that's inevitable. But the, the, the thing is, like, like we changed the laws for us. But in my, at that point in time, I didn't think of going after the church because, like, a cult could be. I totally believed in it and had cognitive dissonance and didn't think. I, no, but the, had all these rationale for how the church, given the best case scenario of what they must have understood that made them how, explain why they didn't do the right thing, you know. But I went after scouting because they were like a professional organization and and you know my dad said look these big organizations they they don't care about this unless you sue them in a big way and and i had punitive damage on my case awarded and my church leaders told me not to do it the area presidency told me not to do punitive damage so i turned it down huh they they, they as an as because they recommended God, it because they recommended they that said, don't go too far here's the right balance some you know the the other, the next punitive damage case was stuff that was built off our cases. The victim won $20 million. If I had won $20 million, I'd have turned it into a fund and gave every penny of it to victims out there because that's how I feel about it. But the, the thing is, the thing about this, uh, this issue with, uh, is that there was tons of controversy over us changing these rules. I mean, my dad Absolutely. lost his job as this BES guy and, and we lost our retirement and society was split in half on it and all this terrible stuff. But we succeeded in the, the impossible. We changed the laws in Idaho. And see, I was called by that. I, I, I told you earlier that attorney told me the one that's had 27,000 scouting victims he represented when the federal case and they had 97,000 victims come forward. Tim Kosnoff, mm-hmm. he said, Adam, California it's like a million, $2 million restitution for these child abuse cases in Utah. It's like $20,000. They miss the statute of limitations. You go to court for six months. And eventually they're just like, we'll just settle and help the person. Here's $20,000. And and religion, an institution, an empire of like $100 billion or something, and their approach towards handling all these victims to which they created a situation that allowed these, you know, the public school system was like, Hey, if we have a pedophile, we call the police and he goes to prison for 25 years. The Mormon church and scouting or even in church was like, Hey, we send them to a Bishop. Now we don't have to report the case. All's well in Zion. I, I want to clarify. Would... Oh, no, I want to clarify one thing you said. You believe, or you don't know, 
but you believe and you sense that the church might have purposely sent you to Jody Hildebrandt after your case with the Boy Scouts of America and you receiving well, the Let settlement. me give you some feeling on that notion. Yeah. I don't just make up notions out of nowhere. Right. I meet this girl at BYU. I was a super Mormon. Her dad was a general authority. I thought we'd have a happy family. It didn't work out. Jody destroyed it. It was a crappy marriage at best. Jody did this crazy stuff. So the thing is, when her dad got called as an area authority in Holland, it was by a man named Elder Helam. Elder Helam was a president of like the European area where her dad was called as an area authority. Now, the third quorum of the 70, in my opinion, they don't have the legal power that the first and second do. I think it's more like a PR campaign to show the rest of the world's involved with the Utah Mormons. So her dad gets called in Holland. And I don't mean to, to belittle him. He was a nice guy to me to, to a point that he just went the wrong way in this divorce. And again, I don't want to talk about divorce, but here's the thing. And see, I just did. That's an example of how the visceral stuff works. But the, the, the thing is like, this guy, Elder Helam, shows up. He's like the, the father that the, her dad relies on. He's the guy that called him to be a general authority. He's the guy that, inspired by God, this great guy. When your daughter goes through this terrible divorce in a country that you're not in, you go to this guy for help. They get Doug Thayer as the attorney. They come out fighting and, you know, her dad originally wrote me, hey, let's get together and talk. And I heard no response. Then Doug Sayer, attorney, protective order, every everything. And, the, and, and it became this like almost half a million dollar legal fees on both sides, three-year fiasco, where in the end, you know, they it amounted to nothing but just the system. But uh, so so in, in the situation where um, this guy – who's president of the first quorum of the 70, he shows up in the court hearing for the protective order. He's sitting there next to my ex-wife and, and Jody Hildebrand. And, and he's there and he goes to all this other stuff. And I can start to tell that all my priesthood leaders think differently now because they're being talked to by a top leader. The honor code office thinks differently because they're being talked to by top leaders. I, even when I subpoenaed their records, they're talking about general authorities getting involved. And and that they just follow blindly the one side that those guys are on. They don't investigate. They, they, I told them, hey, go to the go to the courthouse and see that I was there because I missed a hearing by 30 minutes and that these charges shouldn't be felonies because they should only be misdemeanors. They didn't even go. They just believed the other side that it was abuse because they were in the same conversation in their notes where they talk about this general authority. So, you know, it, it's just this one-sided thing that um, – the thing is, Elder Helam paid a lot of attention. He got super involved. He, uh, I suspect that when I started to date people that he was involved in the back channels for why people couldn't date me, uh, where they would go to their bishops and the bishops would talk to them and, and they couldn't date me. And, and you know, it, it was just, I suspect he was behind uh, me getting kicked out of BYU. And, and I suspect... He was behind my bishop saying, one bishop saying, okay, well, you had your temple rec. Oh, I suspect he was behind them taking my temple recommend away when I was following all their rules. I suspect he was behind them making sure that telling them that I couldn't do it, get it back until after all this stuff was done. I didn't know it'd be three and a half years of harassment. And then when it finally was gone, I suspect he was behind letting a bishop that cared about me was nice to me, but said he didn't feel comfortable over and over and it didn't make sense.
like that he was that he was working this guy dies elder Helam dies and suddenly i can get my temple recommends suddenly i can get back to byu suddenly all the stuff so that's why i suspect this guy yeah but then in his obituary so there was something on the internet it was like a leak and they were suspecting the commissioner Patton and a lot of the judges in the fourth district court of racketeering charges with church leaders it was very weird to read the leak because it showed tons of stuff that actually happened in our courtroom that was totally unethical crimes that was exactly like what happened in our courtroom and it, but it, it was like it looked like it was from a real news station but it wasn't i didn't know what it was but it got us thinking wow is it possible that the church leaders were racketeering the custody the court case in the fourth district with commissioner i thought about this commissioner and how he had one time ordered that our child be baptized because his mother would his mother would roll grandmother would roll over in her grave if he knew that he didn't how he was so into the church and how allegiance to the church leaders sworn in the temples how does that play out with like what are the rules with like normal situations and i thought about how like all these people could organize and orchestrate onico people and bishops and say they could all have these private meetings to put these things together that were so organized and powerful that just left people's lives in pieces and so i was thinking about that my mom got looking this was a few years ago this is when i quit the church like three years ago uh-huh. and uh she found in his obituary Lo and behold, President Helam used to be the president of the Grand Teton Scout Council. I hear you. I hear everything you're saying. I'm I'm seeing the evidence. Yeah, he was. He he made sure people didn't see that in his records and stuff. But his obituary caught it. The very council where I was, where I turned in all the pedophiles, where they had this whole issue with leaders. I never put names on those church leaders. But the the whole thing came out where they were using the the church leaders were hiding all these abusers. They were were three levels deep. The, The prosecuting attorneys for Brad Stoll's were on the scouting board. That's one level. Level three, they were all members of the church that met in meetings that didn't have records. And so why did, you know, to give a proportionality again, I like the word proportionality. It helps put things in a picture. It's super prestigious to be a bishop. I mean, locally prestigious, more pretty prestigious to be a state president, super prestigious to be a general authority over a huge area, like maybe one over Utah or something. And, and it was extremely prestigious among the 70 general authorities in the first quorum. There was second and then third. To be the president of the first quorum of the 70 was very, very prestigious. I mean, you could have been over uh, a thousand, two thousand state presidents. Who knows? Something like that. I mean, you're talking about celebrity size, like in a church with 13 million people. Uh, Why did this guy, Elder Helam, get like, why did he allow himself to go in? It'd be unethical to sit on one side of the of a divorce hearing just because of your calling that it could sway the outcome. But why did he get so heavily involved in coming to these things and, and, and what I believe was orchestrating all this stuff? And and then you find out, hey, he was over the scout camp that hit all the pedophiles. 
in a past life. I mean, I'm connecting the dots. It's, it, I, it's, how about this? I'm, I'm having a hard time processing what I'm hearing, that I'm connecting all the dots. It's scary because in the LDS, we always rationalize that, you know, people aren't perfect, but God's true, religion is true. And these, these people have the absolute truth of God. But people make mistakes, but at a certain high level, they're not going to be making mistakes. But this guy, I wonder sometimes, did did he miss his calling to be an apostle because I exposed, I was a, I made him a liability to the church. And did he want to punish you? You know, when there are whistleblowers, when, when unsavory things come forward, they try to discredit them. They're, they have faults. You know, look at them, look at their past. And so I, I have questions for that dead man. Like, did, did he know Jody would destroy people and hurt people? I mean, I'm sure people were complaining about this lady destroying lives. I'm sure that all graduated up through the general authorities when state presidents were overwhelmed. Did they know that this lady would destroy me? Or did they plan to have her destroy me through telling the bishop for me to go over there? Or did they see that it happened and it was just luck, pure luck? And then they facilitated everything they could to make sure that destruction was imminent. Who did the church think Jody Hildebrandt was? Well, that's a great question because here you got this all's well in Zion church front. And, and if there's problems, you go to your bishop first. And if, he, if there's serious problems, he talks to the stake president. If they're really serious problems, then he, that stake president in their meetings talks to the general area authorities and if they're real serious problems they talk to the general authorities and if they're real serious problems they talk to the apostles and the apostles talk to the prophet right and, and so there's this like whole order of uh how this stuff goes from the bottom to the top and i'm betting if jody had already been practicing for a long time and was so well versed in fluently destroying people with deception that there was a huge body count before I ever came along. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's what I think. So if that's the case, if there was, then I'm guessing that these super complex damaging cases that make the church environment. So, you know, nothing ruins a romantic evening than someone talking about divorce. You know, or Zion, happy Zion, and people losing kids and sexual abuse allegations and stuff destroys everything. So I, I bet sexual abuse allegations would graduate really fast up to the top of meetings. And if they uh, had an unusual pattern on a high level of allegations, you know, uh, connected to somebody, then maybe, you know, who knows? I, these things I do not know. I'm just a guy wondering how to make sense of this crazy, crazy story. And it's, it's overwhelming in its, in its size. I mean, in some ways, there's some comparisons, I think, to Jody's cult and the, some things in the Mormon church that should be addressed. I think that um, I noticed that the in the 90s that the church started the bishop's handbook that instructed the bishops to get people to commit to tithing and church attendance and and fidelity right after people confess their their sexual traumas hmm. and 
it's interesting that they systematically instructed bishops to make sure people were doing all this stuff, right? You know, when people come in to confess their sins. And I, I felt like that moment of time should have been about helping a person heal from their trauma, not building an ins- a, a fidelity to an institution. Right. And the, and, bo- and the bottom line is the the bishop of your congregation, the, the person that's the head over your local congregation is who sent you to Jody Hildebrandt. Yeah, he called me in and sent me. And then uh, he said it was his brother's organization, Lifestar. And and uh, uh, actually, uh, he probably wasn't prearranged on that by top church leaders because I just told him, unless unless he did it real subtly, but I, I just told him we got done with the settlement and, and they, they had this money and they said that it should be used for counseling for me for the rest of my life as a victim of abuse. And, you know, it was, it was just kind of like, well, let's do some counseling. And I was hoping it would help my wife uh, at the time uh, with some things she struggled with. I thought if I went in uh, with her together to support as couples, you know, it, it would. But but for a long, you know, the diabolic side is they plan this master plan. But the thing is, like, what I do know is that once Elder Helam saw what was going on with Jody, that he started getting involved with this court case that was being completely manipulated by what this therapist was saying. And he, and in the court case, just went super aggressive against me and my family. And he was in the court case sitting it through. He was there. And this is who called your father-in-law, your then father-in-law, to be a general authority. Yeah. And he was the guy that that was over the camp that was hiding all the pedophiles. And he was the high religious leader. You lose weight, it comes back. You lose it again, it comes back again. And if this cycle sounds familiar, you're not alone. And there is a better way. What if you could take a weekly shot to lose weight and keep it off? That's where Roe comes in. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with lifestyle changes so you can lose weight and keep it off. Roe handles it all, even insurance paperwork. If eligible, you have access to a provider on demand. You can sign up online from home, no doctor's visits. Average weight loss, get this, 15 to 20% in a year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria do apply. Go to road.co slash hidden. Sign up today and you will pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash hidden. While Chad Dable's attorney complains of Tammy Dable going through menopause in the courtroom, most women can relate to her experience. Many of us know it can be hard to find comfort in our own bodies, experience cravings or depression, but Hormone Harmony is an all-in-one hormonal balancing solution for women of all ages. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier, and that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. 
They help the body adapt to stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any women with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it is perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code hidden true crime at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code hidden true crime for 15% off today. Why do so many dogs suffer from health issues? It turns out that actress Katherine Heigl, who helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says that she is seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health, their food. What she discovered is that the way many dogs' foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw a huge transformation in their health. She has made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing and see incredible changes in their dog's health. Look, John and I are dog lovers and are currently searching for the perfect family edition and how to keep them healthy and happy. So if we can help keep your best friend healthy too, we are happy. Go to badlandfood.com dot com slash hidden true crime and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D dot com slash hidden true crime. Wow. So I think he had, I think he was the decision maker on stuff. And, you know, it takes a lot of PR to hide child abuse in Zion. It does. Like on a, in a big systematic way. And, you know, I looked also Elder Helam's other job was a uh, church Sunday school president for the whole church. And, you know, in the 1990s, the church started making tons of pamphlets that we would study every Sunday at church. They had a picture of a prophet on everything and the different manuals. And he was over making those. And you have to have a certain kind of charisma to know how to take a, a religion that has kind of, you know, more extreme things in it and moderate it into the, the world that we're, I mean, is it, how world started moderating, you know, things and Dowdy, you know, doubled down and, and, uh, this extremism, but, um, but he was this sorry, that was a distraction, but this guy, uh, you know, he, I, I assume that to, to be the guy that would be called to handle all those books, you would have to handle all the crazy questions about the church history and know how to rationalize everything in a way that made everybody feel peaceful and maybe do it extremely well and have a lot of pride and think that you're incredible at it. And if, if you were doing all that work, that life's work, and some child abusers came along that would just make look all as hell in Zion, you might be tempted to cover them up. You might be tempted to feel threatened by anything, and you might justify a means to an end that it's worth lying and covering the stuff up and breaking the law. And, I mean, I never knew about Elder Helam. I wondered if that was his case, or I wondered if maybe... He was closer to the sexual pedophiles themselves, and he was scared that he'd seen what we'd done to show the truth. Like, he was president of a camp that had pedophiles all over it, actively practicing pedophilia. Like, that that's concerning.
there, I mean, when I was in scout camp, I was 14 years old, and I was just be dazed by the abuse and daylight that was happening, or the, the the grooming and the stuff of this guy, and how he was not in daylight, but the, the, where he was taking people at night and and abusing them, and and then I was sitting there in the office, in the the lunch room when. Or, or, just erase that name so I don't want a victim to be dotted on Um, got it yeah Uh, well he's an adult now he's a kid at the time his father was the alias he was the representative for all of Boy Scouts of America for the Mormon Church big calling Uh, let's see wait but he saw this necklace on my neck and it was this certain kind of necklace and um he goes, oh, what are you going to do with that necklace that Brad Stoles gave you? And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, I burned mine. And I, I didn't know that was a ritual that with his victims, Brad Stoles would put a necklace on a kid and make them feel like they're real special and just treat them really good at camp. And that alarmed me. And that I started, I, mean, I was feeling real uncomfortable about some abuse that happened a little while ago. And my brain was like messing it up, trying to deny it. And that kind of sparked things. And I started asking a little while I'm investigating people are getting merit badges and I'm running around talking to kids and hearing these stories and asking more and more questions. And soon I know about all sorts of pedophiles and all sorts of funny stories about pedophilia going on in that camp. And, and gener- like, I don't want to use the word generations because that's what I used to use, but now I don't want to use that because that infers that victims become pedophiles. And, I, and that's, that's a myth. You know, it's a, it's a damaging one, um, so I'm not going to build that up. But but for generations of years, there had been multiple pedophiles there, and I started there's this overwhelmed amount of victims and, and, a, and a subculture where people laughed about it and joked about it like it was nothing, and and so um, yeah, that was Elder Helam's scout camp. Wow. Yeah, I mean, Brad Stoll's confessed to 24 victims. Uh, Jeff. So then. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, Jeff was. Uh, I'll remember a name. My, my mind just, one of the worst guys my, night, my my brain just blanked out on that was up there at camp above. Everybody. So they, 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 the the guy, Elias Lopez, had me get on the phone with top church, like top people over scouting, and then they're higher up, and and all while I was there, and they were all telling me not to tell my parents it would destroy camp, and that they would take care of it, and the guy just kept sexually abusing my friends and other people that I can't really mention. You. Yeah. So full circle. Full circle. You you get therapy after all this trauma. It's Jody Hildebrandt. And now Jody Hildebrand has been charged and arrested for child abuse herself. Well, yeah, I mean, the crazy thing about it is it's like, I mean, I think of the irony. Where's Mark Twain when we need him to say something funny? (laughs) Right. I can't help you there right now. I wish that was Mark Twain. I've been thinking and thinking. How do you get a funny spin that's true that makes people feel like human again off of this? You know, right? Yeah. No, I often use humor to diffuse, and this is, 
even I'm stumped right now. You know, um, you know, we all manipulate people on accident without even knowing we're doing it. And the emotional language is hard to understand. But when people have repeated it to a fine-tuned comb, then it's methodic. They know ahead of time, do this, do this, and this will happen. It's a different kind of criminal than somebody that's just confused about a topic. Yeah. Well said. You know, I guess, yeah, this this is deep. It, this case is just beginning, I think. And I, I have to say, in some ways, my mind is going multiple places, too. I'm connecting dots in my own life. You got to follow the money. Yeah. Doji's doctrine was break off everybody's sick. Everybody's sick. You're sick, so you can't decide when to leave my group. Everybody else is sick, so you need to break the relationship with these people that are normal, your health and your balancing and everything else in your life. Her doctrine was that if you break a person's support in every area, they will be 100% dependable on her. And, you know, it's great job security as a psychologist and you get some the moment these mormon therapy groups go into the charisma and the big promises and the huge fears they are and in the, the, the teaching addiction as a form to isolate someone from all their healthy relationships now i thought if a guy looked at porn and was worried he looked at it too much the best thing he could do is have sex with a beautiful woman that loved him you know, instead to isolate these people alone in this crazy thing. I mean, it, you have to get the sociopath view of this to understand the machinery that's at place, like the inputs, the outputs, and and stuff. I mean, this. I mean, it, it's just incredible the uh, how sophisticated she got. You know, in my case, protective order comes around. More, my wife comes home from a meeting with Jody. Uh, she asked me to bathe our child. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm in the tub with the kid. We're at the point where the relationship is supposed to die soon, so we're not allowed to hug or kiss, and we're not allowed to have sex. It's been a while. I haven't had any sex for months. And my ex-wife walks into coached by Jody, you know, and I didn't know this. So years later, did I even under, unravel this? She she walks into the the bathroom in lingerie acting seductive totally not what the women in jody's minions that she's making them would do for a guy i think for a moment she starts laughing and I, I think for a moment that we're back to our normal relationship and i tell her i, I tell her hey you got to come get the baby out of the tub and i hand it to her and she takes the baby out and she comes back in and then she just turns her back at me and acts like she's disgusted by me and walks off so i turn my back to her i would never remember this story but when the protective order came out, she starts talking about how I'm a victim of sexual abuse and so I don't have healthy boundaries. And then I had to ask for my baby to get out of the tub and she caught me turning my back because I had an erection. Wow. I heard that, being wow. a victim of abuse. And my biggest fear in my whole life was that people would think that I would be like that from that terribly small-minded group of people that just exploit those insecurities for their agenda. I heard, I heard, I heard that. I couldn't even breathe. I had like a panic attack in the parking lot outside of the courtroom. And the thing was, then I was, then it was over. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what the truth was. 
all that mattered is now when I say that I'm not like this, and I say it a million times because I'm totally broken and alone and without my kids and trying to make sense of the world, everyone's going to think that I'm guilty of it just by hearing me say that I didn't do this. And that, that's what Jody does to innocent people. So my, I, I come to my own conclusion. She seems like a soft criminal, right? But if you can falsely accuse somebody of murder, say, for example, let's say murder, and they served their whole life punishment for that and it was false, don't you kind of feel that the action of bearing false testimony in that case would be like, if you put it on a scale, it would weigh as much as murder? If the, if the punishment for murder was served, then... In other words, like, you know, if, if she can destroy somebody's life like this, I mean, I would have rather gone to prison for five years than gone through that divorce. Yeah. I, I don't think she's, I don't, yeah, I don't think she sounds like a soft criminal, if that means anything to you. I think she sounds diabolical. Well, that's what's so Ted Bundyish about her smile and her soft voice and her, her ability to say words at the right time so she's not talking over people and to villainize people who are, you know, like she's, she's just incredible uh, at that. But apparently, when she feels so powerful and overestimates it, her blind spot is to know that you can't duct tape children and abuse them. I, that and that blows my mind. Human being do you, do you think she really didn't know that? Or do you think she, she uh, knew exactly what she was doing? Because I, I, I want to think she, she actually does know that. Okay, so here's the question. Yeah. It's a million dollar question. So my ex-wife wrote back and forth emails with Jody on, on stuff. And when Jody was coaching her to get the honor code office to, they knew that I had to have a 21 year old person with me to be with my kids while this was all going on. And the honor code office started calling anybody in that would go with me and they're accusing them of allegations so that, and threatening them if they were around me. So I couldn't have anybody with me so that I couldn't go see my kids. And that was all going on. And it turned out this huge fiasco with a 500-page honor code office thing. It was just crazy the way the honor code office. That's a whole other story. It's a huge liability for them. It was completely unethical. They were never punished for it, and they have all the documents. In fact, when I subpoenaed them, they mixed them up, shuffled them. It took us three weeks to understand the documents in sequence because they were so guilty that they didn't want us to understand them, so they mixed them up. And, I mean, it was outrageous the way the Brigham Young Honor Code Office worked. I mean, they they would take uh, – and, and Jody was coaching my ex and talking to the Honor Code Office and facilitating all this stuff. She was there doing this. And what year was this, then, 1990? 2007, I think. Oh, 2007. Six. Okay, a lot later. Yeah, than that. I, need, okay. I need to check the date. Okay. I, it might be off a year or so. But, but she was, uh, you know, here's some examples. And I have to go back on my post and erase the name because I, I realized I was outing somebody's abuse from the honor code office without realizing it while I was sharing my own traumatic experience and the information. Yeah. And, but but there was a particular woman that was helping, and uh, and and so um, she'd been a victim of abuse as a kid. Honor code office called her in. She was helping with my kids, so they called her in. They spent 
forever talking to her in detail about the child abuse that happened to her as a kid. And then they accused her of having sex with me. And then and they, they uh, accused her of having a relationship. We never had sex. And they accused her of that. And they put her on probation and said if she ever talked to me again, they'd throw her out of school. Oh, wow. And, I mean, the list goes on. They, in the honor code office records, there was this one girl, really nice returned missionary. And they were like, let's put her on probation. This is in their records. And they're like, She's just helping me with my kids. No romantic interest, nada. Just a nice friend of mine from grade school. And they're like, wait, let's not go after her because she's going to graduate from school soon and we can't put the probation on her. So let's just not mess with her. So they're just like calling people in. Uh, say, I mean, the, the one girl that they had her relive all of her traumatic abuse and accused her of all these bad things, the shame and build it up. Uh, she fell apart after that. Like she was in major counseling, went to an institution. She was a she was a four student. Like like she had like a really nice degree. And you know, when you want to be perfect and you're in a high church family and perfection's the case and this happens to you, this is devastating. And but Jody was working on that. She's filled in those honor code records, telling them stuff about me. And the honor code office was like, in the records that I subpoenaed, they're like, they're talking to my bishop. And they're saying to him, we're not allowed to give you our records. So make sure you don't tell him that we're giving you these records. But here's the case. The therapist says this and this and this and this and this and this. Gosh. I, we subpoenaed the, her records that therapist, Jody Hiller, we subpoenaed her records of me. She never knew. She never asked about my life. She didn't know shit about me. She didn't even spend time to talk to me. And and yet she had come to this diagnosis that in the medical field or in the psychology field, you have to go through a process to diagnose and, and have records for it too. And she just did nothing. And so, you know, uh, so yeah, the, oh, here's the, so your question about the sociopath. So there's, my ex is going in. She's got to talk to the honor code office. They're asking some stuff. Oh, here's another one. That poor girl that I told you about that has been abused and fell apart. They're sitting there like, they call her back in and they, uh, no, they call my ex in and they say, are you sure that uh, Adam had sex with this person? And my ex says, well, he had an affair. And then you said, well, you, you, it's sex? And she goes, well, I'm not sure about that. And she goes, but it was an emotional affair. And he, got, he, he, he explains to her in these honor code records that an emotional affair and having sex are different. And they had put her on probation for having sex. And the honor code office, once they discovered from the person that made the accusation that she had uh, not had sex with me, the honor code office never contacted her and asked her forgiveness and said sorry for punishing her for having sex with me, according to destroyed this girl's life. She got on tons of medication. And the thing is, like, that's huge in the Mormon church, too. I mean, that's next to murder <laughs> in those days, you know? That ruined your chance for temple marriage. Absolutely. All the other siblings got one, but not you now. Your whole life got changed by this. Yeah. Oh, here's here's the here's the one. I, I was up to like thinking all oh, these people. They, you know, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Like, 
Oh, they're just having a hard time. They were mean. They didn't mean that. They, I try to think for them. I do the that too. Reasons why? Yep. Yeah. I would have said way. that. Yep. And I used my grace in my mind to define them. Right. Well, there's this part where Morwenna's in these emails that she's corresponding with Jody, and she's talking about going into the honor code office. And she needs to convince these people. I can't remember, and I need the emails. So I'm going to say ahead of time. I might not get this exactly right, okay. but I promise it's there. Uh, but she's, she's in there, and she's trying to convince them that she's a victim of some terrible thing that I've been doing. And she's talking to Jody about it, and Jody explains to her form of sophisticated manipulation that will make these people think that she's a victim. Yeah. Pity play. And she go, yeah. she go, she goes in there, and she does exactly what Jody told her to do. She comes out of there. Well, and the honor code office in their records from the same day, they're like, she came in, this terrible stuff happened. We gotta help her. This is this. We're gonna do this and this and this. They're breaking all their own rules to save this girl. And then in the emails between Jody and my ex, my ex writes, "Oh yeah, they were total suckers. They completely fell for it." And Jody's like, yeah, that's awesome. So she knows what she's doing. Yeah, and I think the prosecuting attorney in southern Utah should have a chance to see those emails. I absolutely agree. She knows what she's doing. I want to see these emails. Because as they taught us in the Mormon church... Do what is right and let the consequence follow. Yeah. And that's, you know, just, yeah, so that's the, and what's what's sad is, I don't want to say this completely, but I suspect that Jody finds women with real bad control issues and teaches them how to become sociopathic and destroys their lives, destroys other people's lives. And in the future, you know, just just huge problems in society. I agree. I I agree. She handpicks her victims. She sees what she can do to them. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, it's kind of weird because it's in a, she does it in a way that has so many steps that we can't have a concrete cause and effect that holds her responsible. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Coercive control, this is the thing, but coercive control just became illegal in the UK. And the US doesn't have a, a law like that, but it's a fascinating part of this, I think. A lot of what she's doing is a blurred line with laws, right? What's illegal and what isn't. But if coercive control is against the law, then then I think things become a lot more clear too about what she's doing and about how she's manipulating. Yeah. But I've got that. I got that correspondence, those emails. Do you? I, I got the papers, yeah. And I, I, you know, and I've got it. When you look at it in its timeline... My dad's magnificent. He tried to save his son from this. And he spent all the hours organizing all the papers, taking the scouting or the the honor code records and emails between them and putting it all in a timeline so you could see how the story actually happened. And and there are very, very creepy 
uh, other parts where, uh, you know, my ex was coached to try to make it look like our childhood been abused that um, got completely thrown out of court. Yeah. And this was this was Jody's framework of trying to make it look working with her to try to make things look a certain way. And and sorry, I, that story that's home so hard. I I feel like I shouldn't have even told it. It's it's extremely. Uh, you ask how dangerous Jody is. I think if Jody could take an innocent person and have them go to prison for child abuse, and if she if we all knew that person was innocent and she did it one after another after another after another, I think she should. If if people knew she knew what she was doing and she was doing that, I, I think she she would be doing the same level of destruction that you know that like uh, it's different. Maybe it's like that serial killer that kills doctor's patients instead of normal people a medical serial killer yeah yeah but they're in a different category they're not as bad there's oh maybe it's then you know they they hook to other religions of thought and blurry it all up and stuff but at the end of the day someone out there is missing their loved one because someone murdered them yes there's probably hundreds of men who don't have their children because the fragile not good at best, SV courts in Utah were completely hijacked by this lady's work. And I knew I knew a girl that said her brother killed himself while this was going on. Oh. I've told my story, it totally traumatized her. She couldn't talk about it and she opened up about her brother, said the exact same thing was happening, and then he killed himself. Oh. I tried to get her to come forward and talk about this stuff. She never could. It was too too much. Too much. You know, I, I think that your voice, I just want you to know, I think your voice is going to bring a lot more victims forward and give them the confidence, which is what you hope. I, I believe that's exactly what's going to happen. I think there's going to be a dam that opens. Well, let me tell victims something if my voice is heard. There's a real negative feeling that happens after you come forward and it lasts for a while and it's a real thing. It's real damaging, makes you feel real dark. And most people get scared of that feeling, so they run away from talking. But what I've learned is that if you do it, you won't feel better at first. You'll feel worse for a while, maybe have PTSD, trauma, maybe mess up a lot of your relationships. Maybe you'll get divorced over it because you can't think of anything else for a while. But if you just hold your head high and you just keep working on believing that the truth matters, after, who knows, often it's like six months even, you'll get to this point where you feel like as good as your old self. And then suddenly you'll graduate into this new area where you feel better and better and better. It's an area you could never reach before. And you got to be in it for the long game so that you can change your life and the lives of all the people that need to come forward. Yes. And courage is courageous. That's that's Brian Knappenberger, my buddy from Netflix. He's absolutely courage. Courage is courageous. What's he's now? You know, he's doing this story from Netflix right now, and a, a docu series on this, and and that's what they're seeing is with victims that when they come forward, and it's not as hard to to come out. It was hard for me to come out when my whole state and religion and everyone was against me and it was before the Me Too and I was a guy where everyone was stereotyped as being a dangerous predator for being a victim. Mm-hmm. That was a hard time to come out when your religious leaders said you were destroying the church and people, you know, all these slews of mis- But today, we have each other and there's 
thousands and there's millions of us. We have incredible power that we never had before. And so uh, this life-altering thing for most of us won't be about changing the world like it's been in some times with some of us that did this in the beginning. But changing the world, it will be about changing your world. And, you know, it'll heal stuff like, take for example, you have all these traumas when you date people because of what happened in the past. You deal with this shit for six months and you become dateable. Like it changes you. It, it does real change inside of people. You know, they, the wrong, the truth does matter. It does set people free. It does need to be there. It has an extremely expensive cost to share it and talk about it mentally, emotionally, psychologically. But there is nothing more transformative than, uh, as Jody Hildebrand always says, getting validation for something that seriously violated boundaries. <laughs> Over her words, her, her list of words that she uses, validation, boundaries, addiction, uh, you know, self-deception. Those are all that she just articulates those words into narratives and circles. Just like, I think it was, uh, uh, the guy that did Star Wars that said there's only like so many drama plots in all <laughs> movies ever made. Right. They just learn what they are and they use them over and over. Right. And yeah, Joe just figured out how to use those into a certain scenario with vulnerable people and just use the same boring, stupid, limitless, loveless, systematic, methodic stuff over and over. Yeah. I hope you know how brave you are. Um, you are really courageous, and I hope I hope you're like I hope you do okay after this. And I, you know, I, I want to tell you too. I'll, like, I'll be okay. My, my wife's in the other room putting a baby stroller together. Aww. She's got a smile on her face, <laughs> and and you know, it's just one of those things. Like they, victims everywhere. Hear me. You don't realize this, but you do not believe you're innocent. I mean, that's that's the thing. You do not feel like you're innocent. And yeah, you're looking for meaning with your life with all this crazy stuff that happens. You know, you, know, you also want to have a good, healthy, beautiful relationship with somebody. And, uh, you know, it's just the recipe for that is having the truth come out, coming forward with the truth, dealing with the ship for six months or whatever it takes. And and then you get this craziness that leaves you and these insecurities leave you and you feel normal for the first time in a very, very long time. And so, uh, yeah, I absolutely believe that being accused of child abuse when you're innocent is, for me, worse than uh, being abused as a, as a child. And both so, happened to you. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? I change all the laws to catch dangerous predators and I come down here to Utah and they point all the laws at me I mean, there's, and they don't even follow due process. They don't even have a victim. They don't even have a, a statement of a crime. They don't even have a statement of me threatening, acting, talking or doing anything. They just use a, a stereotype that I was a victim and then a miscontextualized psych evaluation out of context to argue a few points with the commissioner that sitting there with the top church leaders all in a situation. I never once in my whole life had a sexual feeling that deviated away from a female of close to my same age. 
And, you know, that's that's me. I'm not going to blame some people if they had different issues because of certain traumas they went through. But I was lucky I didn't have those traumas. Right. You know, and 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 uh, but um, what was my point? Sorry. When I talk about stuff, the 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 bathtub thing, uh, the reason I talk about this isn't because I want everybody to know a sensitive story that they could just turn on its face. It's because I believe that the truth sets people free and that, you know, that you tell the truth. And, and unfortunately, Amen. that's a key example of how, like, Jody could influence somebody. Like, she coaches a mom to dress lingerie when he's in the tub and to go in there when she's coaching every move. The mom's saying, should I kiss him? Should I talk to him? Here's all the rules. Super strict. And she comes in lingerie into the tub right after she has her session with Jody. Mm-hmm. And I... I take the, I wonder if there's some identical stories. I wonder if there's like duplicates. There could be identical stories. There could be. Yeah, it'd be funny. There's like 10 of them. There's like my neighbor (laughs) down the road and like 10 other guys. And you're just like, oh, (laughs) I don't feel so personal anymore. Yeah, it was guys. I was really feeling personal about that and uh, super damaging there. You know, part of coming forward about this part and talking about it is that I've needed to heal from this, you know, I've always felt that I was an honest man in the, all parts of my life, I could tell. And and this one area, I was, uh, they, they, out, they out maneuvered me. Yeah. J- Jody always says the right thing to distract the, from the crime where she's hurting somebody. And it's a real hypocritical way to just to make everybody think that there's a victim somewhere and all their emotions and everything get clouded up and then they don't do the right thing and people break rules and stuff like that. That's how she works. That's wild. That's wild. Thanks. For yeah. Her comment that. about the children being a danger, never let them near anyone. That was her just doing her thing, but this time it was harder to show because it's more in the open of the crazy, but in all these cases, she's, yeah, she's a master of saying the subtle comment right at the right moment to redirect everything. Right. Deflect deflect and redirect, you know, and it's true. It's not going to work this time because they're children. Like, you know, children just can't be duct taped. It's it's yeah, that's it's not going to work this time. But but interesting to see that that's that's her M.O. That's what she does. Well, I've got to tell you, we've been on the phone for three hours and 23 minutes. (laughs) Yes, we have. I will let you go. I really appreciate you coming forward. On Saturdays, we do we delve deep into different cases, and this Saturday, this is what we're covering, and this foundation and your interview prior to that, I think, is one of the most important things to this case, you know, if we really want to understand this case, and we realize it, as you point out, it's more than this case. There's a lot more to it, so thank you. Okay, sure appreciate it. Thank you, Adam, and um, you have a great day, and we'll be in touch. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.